everyone. Thanks for tuning in. We want to invite you to learn more about the heart and vision of City of Lights. So check out our website at cityoflights.church and find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at City Lights Indie. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy today's message. Wow, okay. All right, really excited this morning. Um, So when I went to college for the first time, um, the very first day that I went there, I was with a friend of mine and um, that we knew each other from before then. He was in a different dorm than I was, and so I got uh, to my dorm, and my roommate hadn't moved in, and so um, my grand plan was to um, explore some of the area because I hadn't been to the city before. This was kind of new to me. Um, and so um, this was well before we had a, a street view map of the entire world in our pocket. Um, and so um, we used MapQuest. And so MapQuest was, that was my jam right there. And so I had like MapQuested the directions, but I didn't have a printer, so I like wrote them all down. And um, of how to get to um, get some good get some good wings, and so on our first night. So we go, we follow these map quested directions. Um, we eat, and then afterwards, I had realized that I had not map quested the way back, and I did not write the directions well enough to work backwards. Um, and so I had begun to wonder how I got into college in the first place, but. That was neither here nor there. We, were, uh, we, we walked out and immediately took a wrong turn and went about two miles in the wrong direction on foot before we finally asked for directions. And so um, when, when we finally asked for directions, okay, this is where you go back. Okay, it's going to be a long walk, but it's fine. We walk back outside and a downpour starts. And so we finally, we get back to this um, uh, we get back to the dorm, and then we kind of turn in. He goes back to his dorm. I head back to mine. And, and the next morning, um, I um, powered up my cell phone, my little Motorola flip phone. And um, turns out it was not waterproof like phones are today. And uh, it turned on but just had no signal. And so uh, I experienced day one, or really day two of college, I experienced being in a city that I had not really been in much before, not sure where to go, not sure what to do, and my only lifeline was no signal. And, um, and I, had a, I had like a landline in my room, but that was like long distance, and I didn't really have a package set up. And so I was kind of stuck, and so, um, and I didn't really know where my friend was. And so um, that... That feeling of being lost and having no signal, I think that that is something that we experience now um, when things get difficult. Um, a lot of times it feels like we, when things get difficult in life, we kind of um, pull out our little Motorola flip prayer phone and we power it up and start uh, praying and it feels like we have no signal. It feels like there's no one on the other end. It feels like there's really nothing. My prayers are kind of bouncing off the ceiling. They're not really going anywhere, and I feel stuck. And so some of us, this happens to us when um, things, situations, it's especially difficult. But what I noticed is that um, there are certain people that really experience the, the realness of this every day. So when my son was born um, in March, he immediately um, was moved to the NICU at Riley, and we spent a few days there, and, um, and he's doing great now, but 
Um, but one of the things I noticed is that the nurses there, they were unbelievable. But I think about from their perspective, like they must go in every day at some point and say, where is God in all of this? Like, where is God in all of this mess? Because the world can be such a messy and difficult place at time. And so the message today is called God's presence when bad things happen. And so if you have a Bible, why don't you open up to 1 John chapter 5. We are finishing out a series called Prove It through 1 John. And so John has... Um, he has talked about um, things that he learned directly from the mouth of Jesus, um, and you can read about in his gospel, and um, it started with kind of walking in the light, when this is where we find out that when we walk in the light, we follow God's commands, and we live the way that God has outlined to live in Scripture, that's where God is. That's where God dwells. He dwells in the light, but, but oftentimes that's difficult because when the light shines in, it exposes things that we try to hide in the darkness. And so um, John just kind of walks from, from topic to topic as to how the light really exposes our darkness. And so a couple weeks ago, Pastor John um, preached through what um, the gospel that we're hearing, how we can actually identify whether it's legitimate or not, and, and, and then and then really we kind of had a discussion about what love really looks like because relationships and how we treat other people is often something that exposes the darkness within us. And so the, John talks about how we should be doing this. And then last week we went over, um, <coughs> excuse me, four testimonies of a transformed life. And we, we talked about the spirit um, we talked about the Holy Spirit working in us. We talked about um, sanctification and growing in our faith, that when we're baptized, it doesn't just end there, but in fact, that is the beginning of a new life for us, and, and that's just the beginning of what God's doing in our lives. And then we kind of ended in this idea of um, how Jesus responded during the crucifixion, and when, when everything got at its darkest, how did Jesus respond? And so um, we kind of picked that discussion up today. Um, if you want to join me in 1 John chapter 5, verse 14. This is the confidence we have before him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears whatever we ask, we know that we have what we have asked of him. All right, so let's stop there real quick. So um, this is the assurance that John wants to start out with. So he's just talked about um, how Jesus responded when everything was at its worst and, and that now when things get bad in our lives, when everything goes negative in our lives, we can have confidence because we know that God is hearing us even when it doesn't feel like it. In fact, I would say especially when it doesn't feel like it. And this is something that in the upper room in John 16 that he heard directly from Jesus' mouth himself. And that um, the confidence that really our God is not some kind of genie in a bottle butler that just gets us whatever it is that we want, but in fact he is an all-knowing perfect father who is always listening to us whenever we are talking to him. And he has a will and a plan for our lives. And so if we ask anything that is within the parameters of the will and the plan 
plan that God has, has put out for our lives and our good, he hears us and he gives it to us. But that always doesn't look the way we want to, especially when things get difficult. And so um, one of the things that I've really kind of in preparation for this, um, I've, I've, I'm a very big fan of audiobooks, and so um, I've recently uh, listened to uh, 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 R.C. Sproul Jr., he had an audiobook that was titled Suffering and the Sovereignty of God. So really cheery, happy book, uh, Suffering and Sovereignty of God. But really, this is something that, so, so R.C. Sproul, if you've heard of him, he's a theologian and famous um, writer and pastor, and, and his son actually kind of followed in that family business. And, um, uh, but he, he writes this series of messages um, in the year that began with him in a hospital room waking up to find out that cancer had finally taken the wife of or taken the life of his wife and then uh, about 6 months later was teaching a class had kind of moved past that and and got a phone call an urgent phone call that his younger daughter had passed away one of his daughters had and so in the wake of all this, decides to talk about suffering and the sovereignty of God. And so if, if anybody that I know recently would have something to say about this, I think it would be him. And so um, he walks away from these difficult situations saying that God is still good and he still has a plan and I know through the end of this that I'm going to walk out looking more like Jesus now, how can he say that, right? I mean, this is the most difficult possible things that people can go through. Um, so, so he first mentions that uh, we won't be overcome by the situation, but we can still feel. So this is one of the issues that when bad things happen is that um, the kind of Christianese thing to do is to tell somebody, hey, I'm praying for you. This is going to get better. Romans 8, it's all going to work for your good. Go in joy. And that's not how we feel, right? So here's the thing. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to be crushed. It's okay to be broken in spirit. It's okay to be barely able to trudge yourself into the doors of a church. Because Jesus felt that. And so, and so not only did he feel that, but, but he feels exactly what we're going through. Okay, and so I'm going to return to this in a second, but, but the second point that R.C. makes, I want to go through his three points real quick. The second point that he makes in this, in this piece of the suffering and the sovereignty of God is that oftentimes we get in this kind of game, we get in this kind of discussion about what we deserve and, and that, that this thing is happening to me and I don't deserve it. And, and if you really think about it, to the God that knows everything you've done, has seen every thought that has come into your head that you have let kind of roll around or every action that you have done in secret, you really want to discuss what you deserve with that God. And so um, R.C. says that there's only really one instance of somebody getting what they absolutely did not deserve. And why did that happen? It's because he volunteered. It's because Jesus volunteered to take on what he didn't deserve. He was the only perfect one that ever walked this earth. And when he was in the ultimate punishment he didn't deserve, he voluntarily walked into it and stepped into it. But, but not only that, 
so so we, we, play the, we play the game of what do we deserve, but then the other thing we think about sometimes is does Jesus actually understand? Does God actually understand? And so um, the, the, the thing to think about here is that when you accept Christ, he dwells inside of you. He, he comes and lives inside of you. And, and so to, to kind of go prove this, I have Colossians 2, 6 through 10 that says, so then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him, being rooted and built up with him and established in that faith, just as you were taught, and overflowing with gratitude. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy or empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world, rather than Christ, for the entire fullness of God's Nature dwells bodily in Christ, and you have been filled by him, who is the head over every ruler and authority. So Jesus lives in us. He, he dwells in us. And so if this is the case, then, then this whole scripture, so, so when we go through bad things, a lot of times the scripture that we turn to is Psalm 23, and, and, and 23 verse 4, it says, even when I go through the darkest valley, I fear no danger, for you are with me. Your rod and staff comfort me. And so I've thought about these two things and how they really come together. Because when I used to hear that part of Psalms, I used to imagine like the darkest valley of, of, of the night. And I'm kind of barely able to move through it. But Jesus is standing there with this kind of cape flying in the wind and his rod and his staff. And he's just ready for whatever comes next. And that's not the picture that's painted. You see, because Jesus is not sitting there with his rod and staff ready for whatever comes next because he knows what comes next. He's not worried about the future because he's already there. He's not really worried about what's on the other end of the valley because he knows what's going to happen at the other end of the valley. He knows how we come out of this. So what is his position in Psalm 23? It is not standing there waiting. It is actually right down with us. It is right down with us saying, I feel what you're feeling, weeping with us, walking through us. And if we're not able to move, helping carry us. Because if he dwells within us, if he lives in us, then when you feel pain, Jesus feels pain. When you feel hurt, Jesus feels hurt. When you feel disappointment, he feels the disappointment right alongside of you. You are not alone in this. Because we have a God that not only empathizes, but he's right there in it with us. And so I'm not going to try and minimize what you're going through this morning. Because I know it, is, it might be extremely difficult. I'm not going to sit here and say that, you know, if you just see God's glory and see the good of it, you can just walk right out of it and it's great. I know that this is very, very difficult sometimes. Life can be extremely hard, but here's the thing. I'm not going to minimize it, but neither does Jesus because he's walking right through it with you. He knows exactly the pain and the hurt that you're feeling. So if he knows, all right, then why doesn't he just fix it? Why doesn't he just, like, make it go away if he knows? How does God know everything and not stop everything? And this is one of the most difficult theological points that we can argue, right? How is God all-powerful and all-knowing at the same time, all right? And so um, it's not a perfect example, but I actually think about um, a, a month ago or so when we were, 
we were trying to train our son how to put himself to sleep at night. <laughs> There's chuckles out there because you're like, that's not even why. Why are you trying to do that? No, so um, we're training him that when he wakes up and it's still dark and it's actually not been that long, he can just close his eyes and go right back to sleep. And, that's, and, and if we can train him to do that, that's actually how he can sleep better through the night. And so um, I think about, um, I kind of thought about this moment as I'm kind of, um, one of these nights I was sitting right outside of his crib, and he's in his crib kind of facing up, and there's kind of a sound machine going, and, and he's just crying. He's just screaming at this point. Um, he had just kind of started, and, um, and what's going through his mind, now, I don't know how complex his thoughts are, but what my, I'd imagine is going through his mind is, how could you do this to me? How could you leave me here? I'm crying out, and I thought you guys were here to help me, and I thought you guys were here to take care of me, and you seem a million miles away. And I have no idea why, and it doesn't seem like you care, and it doesn't seem like you have any care about what's going on in my life or my world or my pain right now. <laughs> and how often do we say that to God, right? How often do we say, God, I don't think you, you're a million miles away and you have no idea what's going on and you, you don't even care about the situation at all. Meanwhile, right on the other side of the crib is daddy sitting there just listening to him cry, feeling that the hurt and the pain there that I don't want him to be crying. I don't want it actually pains me to watch him sit there and scream. But at the end of it, I know that there is something better on the other side and that if things really got out of control, daddy's still right there. Yeah. He's still right on the other side. He's still ready to step in. Yeah. And he's in complete control of the situation. But because of the limitations of this baby's mind, I couldn't begin to explain that to him. So God, if you imagine this, God could not begin to explain to you the, how this whole thing fits together and how you actually come out of this thing, at the end of this thing, looking more like Jesus, walking more in the fullness of his glory, but he's there the whole time. And so that's kind of what happens. And so why do these things often happen to us. And so I'm going to very delicately try to put a, a couple situations together here. And so um, if we look at verse 16, it says this, if anyone sees a fellow believer committing a sin that doesn't lead to death, he should ask and God will give him life. To those who commit sin that doesn't lead to death, there is a sin that leads to death. I'm not saying he should pray about that. All unrighteousness is sin, and there is sin that doesn't lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not sin, but the one who is born of God keeps him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are of God, and the whole world is under the sway of the evil one. And so this is an extremely confusing passage, I think, for a lot of people. And theologians even argue about this. There's some kind of competing theological theories about this whole sin meaning to death, leading to death, or not leading to death. Some say that this is like someone who's caught up in a particularly heinous sin, but that really doesn't line up with what John's talking about throughout the book. John talks a lot about how if we are in Christ, then we have been forgiven 
forgiven. We've been set free. And so, uh, um, so whatever sin that we have committed, some say this is about blaspheming the Holy Spirit as this kind, of, this kind of really horrible sin that's talked about in other places in Scripture. That really doesn't quite line up with the discussion we've been having. But what does is that when bad things happen, sometimes it is a consequence of our decisions. Sometimes it's a consequence of our behavior. Now listen to me, not all the time. All right, so I'll mention this several times that this is not always the case. And in fact, it's not often the case. But sometimes it is. Sometimes that there are sins that we commit, there are decisions that we made that, bring up, that just invite drama into our lives, right? And so um, what seems to be the, the theological kind of side that, that really would, I think, fit this, com- this discussion is, and at least in some of the commentaries that I've kind of read, is that um, really sin leading to death is referring to an unbeliever. And so how does this really all jive together? Well, it's like this. Um, when things go bad for someone's life, um, they're kind of, and, they're, and they're, it's really a consequence of their own decisions it's, first of all, not your place to judge whether it's, a con- whether it's a consequence of their own decision. But really, just pray for them that they might turn around, all right? But, but, but for often unbelievers, people who are living in a complete rebellion to God, completely without any remorse or any care or any sign of repentance, that the prayer should look a little different. And so I want to discuss sin really quick so, um, so that we're on, all on the same page. Um, because um, a lot of us believe, um, whether you're a believer or an unbeliever, that um, sin is like this like edge of the stage here. And that, that, that really like off the stage is like my entire life's been thrown away. I've just completely ruined everything. And so, but, but I can come this close to the edge and I can just sit here and I can keep my sin just, if I can keep it minimized, then I can actually just walk right along this edge and, and, and hold my secret sin and not fall off. It's this kind of cliff that we just kind of flirt with the edge of. And that's how we often see things. But it was put to me in a, in a much better analogy that it's not much of a cliff. It's like that hallway out there, right? Where you're walking down, there's nothing sinful about that hallway. But that, that, that hallway out there... <laughs> Love the why. But there, the hallway out there, right, it's not, you can't just walk along the edge of the hallway. You're either going down the hallway or you're going back up. All right? So when we think that we are, in, we are kind of just keeping our sin minimized and just walking kind of along this edge, we're not doing that. We're actually taking slow, subtle steps down a path. And so our prayer should be that people stop, recognize that path, turn around and walk towards the path of righteousness, believer or unbeliever. But this whole sin leading to death, it really, it really has to do with the effects of our sin. Because a lot of times we see people that have thrown themselves into poor decisions, have thrown themselves into drama, have thrown themselves into bad behavior, and we pray for the pain to go away. When the pain is a consequence, it is God's way or the world's way of saying, this isn't working. And instead of praying that the consequences go away and the pain go away, we should actually be praying that they turn around. Yes, 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 yes. And so this is the difference right here. And so, um, so uh, we have kind of talked about um, 
God's response and our response to other people. And now um, John actually closes out the entire book with um, our response in general to when bad things happen. And so um, I, I kind of want to take an aside and use this platform to complain because that's what, you know, I'm going to do. Um, every, morning that I, every morning that I come into work, I turn on my computer and um, about 25 programs open up without me doing anything. <laughs> and I really can't even do much because I have to wait for all of these programs that I don't even use to open up. And I've tried to go through the settings and I've tried to change things. But, but, but you see, this is the default setting of the computer. That, that they think that, you know, whoever th- that, that made it thinks that um, I need all these programs open. And so they're just going to all pop up and I just got to wait for them. And then some of them I can keep, but then eventually they'll update and they'll go back to their default setting and I'm just having to wait. So that's an annoying thing for me that I feel like I should just share with you guys. But, but what I'm trying to communicate here is that there is a default setting, and even when we try to change that default setting, if we're not careful, it just goes right back into it. And so similarly, we have default settings. We have default settings that despite our cha- trying to change them, if we're not careful, we kind of drift right back into them. And so um, John closes the book talking about that in verse 20. He says this, And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding so that we may know the true one. We are in the true one. That is, in his son, Jesus Christ, he is the true God and eternal life. Little children, guard yourselves from idols. It seems like the first time you read that, it seems like all of a sudden he starts talking about idols. Like just at the last, like, oh, oh I forgot. Guard yourselves from idols. Love John. But... <laughs> um, But this is actually part of the discussion, right? So when things happen to us, our default setting is idolatry. So when bad things happen, doesn't like just a bunch of ice cream sound really great? (laughs) And it does. I'm not saying you shouldn't eat ice cream. I'm just saying that like it sounds really good to just numb that bad thing that happened. Um, But this can be other things. This can be... Um, this can be cigarettes, this can be drugs, this can be alcohol, this can be pornography, this can be lust, this can be all kinds of different things that we throw ourselves into to make the pain go away. And John would identify these things as idols. These idols, these are things that we worship in our hearts. And so maybe, maybe you're in um, a situation where you're like, Okay, I don't struggle with the drugs and the, and the cigarettes and the alcohol and everything you just mentioned. Um, but Tony, would you really do me a favor and help me expose the idols in my heart this morning? I know you're all thinking that, right? <laughs> so uh, Tim Keller is probably um, the, I think, leading theological expert on idolatry and idols. And so as not to idolize him very much, I'm just going to mention that. You can Google Tim Keller and idols. Um, but he actually, um, he has a list of things that he, uh, a really list of 10 questions that he presents to us um, that really helps identify the idols that exist. The things that we throw ourselves into when bad things happen. So um, I know that you might want to write down all these questions as I read them and, and ponder them, but really 
I just invite you to, if you're taking notes, just to write down the, the answers that come to your mind instead of the questions. And then this will be on the podcast later. You can take a listen to it. Um, or like I said, you can just Google this. But, but think about the idols, the things that you throw yourselves into. So, so what consumes most of your thoughts and feelings? What motivates the things that you do? What are you most afraid of? What brings the highest amount of frustration and anger into your life? What is the one thing that can change your mood in a second? What would your friends say is your favorite topic of conversation? What are some things that you feel you can't live without? What brings you solace? What do you yearn for? What is the one thing you wish God would just do for you? My guess is the answer to these things is probably not Jesus. Because they're not all for me. These are things, and, and my guess is also, if I were to imagine, I don't know your life a whole lot, but I would imagine that these are things that when life gets hard, when things go bad, that you instantly run to. And these are things that God wants to uproot and say, listen, these things, though they may be good things, maybe bad things, are not ultimate. And so when bad things happen, God hears us and has a plan for us. And we may not understand how or even why bad things happen, but we know that Jesus is dwelling inside us and feels it right along with us. And when they happen to other people, we don't just ask for the pain to go away, but, but for lives to be transformed and for sin to be exposed that God would be glorified. And when they happen to us, we don't turn to idols, but to the God who has been right there the whole time in control. And so I'm going to ask you to maybe step out of your comfort zone this morning. Um, I'm not going to ask you to come forward. I'm not going to ask you to sign anything. I'm not going to ask you to talk to anybody. But if things are not going well in some area, financially, struggles that you may have, health-related things, relational things. But if there are some pieces of your life this morning that maybe you have been petitioning and asking God over and over and over and just feel like he's not even there, or maybe you've never asked him because you don't think he'd even care, or maybe you've seen growth and then you've fallen back a little bit. If there's something that you're looking for breakthrough this morning. You're looking for answers. You're looking for the presence of the God who loves you and wants the best for you, even if you don't quite understand that. I'm gonna ask you just to stand up. Go ahead, stand up. If you're, if you're looking for breakthrough this morning, stand up. Thank you. Stand, if, you're, if you're looking for health breakthrough, financial breakthrough, spiritual breakthrough, relational breakthrough, there's something going on that you just can't quite figure out. And if you're around these people, would you extend, extend a hand of prayer for them? This is everybody. We're all looking for breakthrough. So you know what? 
I'm just going to pray for all of us this morning for breakthrough because I'm standing right along with you. God, we are thankful that you love us, that you're here and you're present in this room. God, there are a room full of people that are standing here asking to feel your presence, to feel your power, to feel breakthrough in their lives. God, these are people that have trusted you to know what's best, to see what's on the other side and to, and to feel their pain right along with them. God, I pray that they would feel your power and your presence this morning and that no matter what lies on the other side of this difficult path, whatever lies on the other side of this frustration and this hurt, that you would would reassure them that you are for them and you are listening and you hear us and you love us, that you are there for us, God. And I would pray that you would bring people around them Bring people around them to show them that you love them. God, I pray for breakthrough this morning. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Stay standing. Stay standing. Listen, you're not alone in this. It feels like God isn't there, but he is. And I don't know what it looks like on the other side of this, but I know that things are gonna be a little bit different. You're gonna look a little more like Jesus at the other end. And, and here's the thing. So even in our home, we've gone through this just recently with some complications of having a kid and some health complications with my wife that she's walking through. And, and one of the amazing things that she's, um, it's so rare. It feels like there's nobody else that feels this, that has gone through this. And And just reaching out to another member of this church found out that she'd gone through the exact same thing. And my wife would tell you that that relationship, that camaraderie, that companionship that had been, in my opinion, sent by God was what helped get her through. And so maybe that's you this morning. Maybe that on the other side of this, there's going to be somebody you are supposed to encourage. There's going to be somebody that can walk through this. But listen, you are standing in a room of people and you are not alone in this. There are people all around here that would love to get to know you, that would pray with you, that could walk with you through this. God hears you and everyone around here is for you. Thanks again for joining us. Don't forget, you can find us online at cityoflights.church and connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram.